everybody. <laughs> My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this week we are in our third week of our series in Jonah titled, When God Doesn't Make Sense. And this morning we're going to be spending our time in Jonah chapter 3, if you want to turn there in your Bibles or um, on your phones. How many of us remember the story of Jonah growing up as a kid though, right? I mean, it was this, you could find so many storybooks on the story of Jonah. And it would usually include like a big cartoony smiling whale or maybe a shot of Jonah, you know, sitting on a tongue with a campfire. All this Pinocchio-esque sort of storyline going on. And, and the, most of the time as you read the book, or if you read the story, chapter 4 of what's in Scripture will be completely left out. And so the lesson learned would be, you know, obey God even when he asks you to do hard things. Or as a little kid, you, you might end up thinking, like, I better obey God or else a big fish might come and swallow me up, right? But I get it. I mean, Jonah sitting on a whale's tongue, like, that's a crazy part of the story. I get why it would capture the attention of a child. But... As we've seen in this series, there's more to the story of Jonah. In fact, there's, there's someone in this story who's bigger than Jonah, bigger than the fish, bigger than the city of Nineveh. And so in chapter 3, what we're going to see is that this portion of the story, more than Jonah, more than a fish, more than the city of Nineveh, tells us something about God. In fact, much of the Bible is meant to tell us something about God, who God is, what's his character like. More importantly for us, how he relates to us. How does God relate to us? How does God relate to me as someone who believes in him, as someone who I read in Scripture, I'm called one of his children? Also, like we'll see in this story too, it, it shows us how God relates to people who don't believe in him, how God relates to his creation. And Jonah chapter 3 is important and impactful because it shows us something about God that should change our lives. Or maybe something about God that's already changed some of our lives. And that's this, his mercy. The story of Jonah shows us God's mercy. Mercy is defined as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in within one's power to punish or harm. So throughout the story of Jonah, we see mercy. And we see it as a main theme. And, and if there's one thing this morning that I want us all to hear or to take in when talking about God's mercy is this, is that our rebellion can never outrun God's mercy. Our rebellion can never outrun God's mercy. If there's, there's anything that the story of Jonah should show us, it's this. And outrun is a fitting word, right? Because we know that it's, it's relevant to the story of Jonah. Remember in chapter 1 where it said that God told Jonah to travel 500 miles in one direction 
And he turns and starts on a trek 2,500 miles in the other direction. He literally tries to outrun the presence of God. He tries to outrun God. Have you ever tried to flee from God's presence? As crazy as that sounds, but have you ever tricked your brain into thinking, well, God's not going to see this? Have you ever been caught in the middle of something mentally and just willfully just checked out of the presence of God or at least thought that you did? Like somehow you're going to fly under God's radar. Or maybe we think like, oh, like just, just this one time, God's not going not to be accountable for anything. Trick yourself into thinking that God doesn't see. More than that, do you feel like you're beyond the mercy of God? I can remember a point in my life where I had made a bunch of small choices that led to me feeling so far away from where I knew God wanted me to be, the person that I knew God was calling me to be, even in my heart, the person that I wanted to be. I felt far away. I felt out of the reach of God's mercy. It was hard to forgive myself. Have you ever had a time where it's hard to forgive yourself from something? Or have you ever had a time in your life where you had a hard time just showing mercy? Is there someone in your life right now that you think doesn't deserve God's mercy? Someone you have a hard time showing compassion towards? Someone that you have a hard time forgiving? And as we ask all of these questions or consider these questions, the story of Jonah gives this a place to land. Because what we see in Jonah is a lesson on mercy, and our rebellion can never outrun God's mercy. The Bible says we can never hide from his presence. We can never outrun God's mercy. And in Ephesians, we read that, his, that God is rich, rich in mercy. God's mercy is a huge part of the story of Jonah. So far, we've seen God spare the lives of sailors. Last week, we, in, in chapter 1, we saw him spare the lives of all the sailors on the ship that Jonah boarded that Jonah kind of got into this mess. And last week we saw how God spared the life of Jonah by causing a great fish, fish to come and swallow him up for three days and then throw him up onto dry land. God's mercy is sprinkled throughout this story. And we'll see next in chapter three just how far-reaching God's compassion and mercy is. So it starts in verse one. And we see that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. We see that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I want to just, just stop and stare at this verse for a second. You know, the past few weeks, we've been talking about the story of Jonah. And we've been asking the question, particularly around the fish swallowing up, you know, could this happen? Is this really true? If you read, you could, you could find scholarly people on either side of this argument. You could see scientific proof that could, this could happen, or even accounts that people have been swallowed by a fish and survived. Or for me, 
whether this fish could have happened or not doesn't change this amazing truth in chapter 3, verse 1. Praise God that this verse, praise God that chapter 3, verse 1 is true. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. You know, in our series, is called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And I feel like out of any part of this story, this verse right here should be the most confusing to us. As humans, right? As people, as real people, this verse should be the most confusing verse to us. How unbelievable is that sentence right there, that the creator of the universe, who in this story we saw, threw out a storm and then took it back who in this story we saw move in the hearts of a group of sailors to praise and worship him, who can keep a man alive in a fish for three days if he so chooses. And as we'll see in a little bit, God's so powerful that he could change the heart of an entire city, a great city, with a one-sentence sermon. He can do all of these things, yet he would lean in a second time to this stubborn, selfish, disobedient man. If it were me, I wouldn't have given given Jonah a second chance. Would you have given Jonah a second chance in that scenario? Have you been in Simo scenarios where people have asked for a second chance? But this tells us something about who God is. That even though Jonah rebelled against God, he couldn't outrun God's mercy and praise God for that. Amen? Because we know that God's mercy is everlasting. The, The scripture says that he shows the same mercy to us and his mercy just goes on and on and on. Psalm 100, we read, For the Lord is good, and his faithful love, his mercy, endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. There's this idea of God's mercy just being continual, forever, everlasting. Almost this idea of it's just perpetual, perpetual mercy. And a rebellion can never outrun this kind of mercy. So God, full of mercy, speaks to Jonah a second time. And in Jonah chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, we read that he says, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Remember in chapter 1, verse 3, where there was Jonah's initial response to this same command. It says that Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish and flee from the Lord's presence in the exact opposite direction. I read this part of the story and I think like, okay, yeah, this would be a no-brainer, right? God comes to me the second time and of course, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do. But we're going to find out next week that that might have not been what was in Jonah's heart. In fact, the text right now doesn't really tell us what is in Jonah's heart. But it, as when we look into chapter 4 next week, we're going to see that he's just as stubborn and just as disobedient and has just as much a foggy perspective on God's mercy. 
So we don't know where Jonah's at at this point in the story. I mean, I kind of think, given chapter 4, I kind of think that he gets up and he's probably kicking rocks all the way to Nineveh. Or here's something that I can relate to. After God gets Jonah's attention in the belly of the fish and comes to us a second time, he's like guns blazing, all in, fully devoted, whatever you need me to do, God. I mean, I know for me, like, how many spouses here have been caught in, in something where you were wrong and clearly you had hurt the person you're in a relationship with, any relationship really, and then for, like, for the next month or so, you're like super friend, super spouse, right? It just turns on. I can relate to that. I've been there with God too. I've treated God the same way. God, whatever you ask, you know, I'll do it. I'm there. You get my attention. I'm there. Or maybe some of us have even prayed to God before. God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do anything. Just fill in the blank. It kind of makes me wonder if that's what was behind Jonah's prayer in chapter 2. But we don't know. With Jonah, we don't know where he's at, whether he's kicking rocks or whether he's in this like full-on rock star mode for God all the way to Nineveh. Either way, the story of God's mercy continues. And we see that even Nineveh's rebellion could not outrun God's mercy. Look at the end of verse 3 into verse 5. Now, Nineveh Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. I love what this story emphasizes because clearly we see the power of God at work in the story here. Because this story isn't about God's, just about God's mercy towards Jonah, but it's about God's mercy towards the great city of Nineveh. His compassion towards these people who are enemies of Israel, enemies of God's chosen people, enemies of Jonah. But we see God's power at work because the story does point out that Nineveh was a three-day walk, meaning that it would take three days to travel the city. It was so great. And on day one, so before Jonah presumably could cover a third of this great city, the people respond to the message of God. Their rebellion couldn't outrun his compassion, his love. Their rebellion couldn't outrun his word and this message. On the first day of Jonah's message, it's like this wave of just mercy and compassion just floods this city. The greatest city in the Assyrian Empire is completely overcome and compelled to repent and believe in God. Those are short, powerful, important sentences in this story. Their rebellion could not outrun God's mercy. It is literally like a tidal wave, just a force. And word traveled all the way to the king who issued a decree. In verse 6 through 9, when word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne He took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth, 
and sat in ashes. And then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. The story says that they turn from their evil ways and wrongdoing. They turn towards God. Here's where I feel like Jonah was taught a lesson, right? In my mind, I see him kicking rocks all the way to Nineveh. In my mind, I, say, I see him preaching this, this one-word sermon, which, which also is just a sermon of judgment and condemnation, right? Will be demolished. In, in a way, you, you kind of get the sense like he was satisfied to say that. He was satisfied to say, you're all going to be demolished. But then he sees this wave of compassion and mercy and repentance just overtake this entire city. He hears, he hears a decree coming down from the king. He sees people and animals repenting, like just wearing sackcloth, not eating and he's on day one? Can you imagine just being him and looking around and thinking like, what is happening? How did this happen? What is going on? And it says in verse 10 that God saw their actions, that they turned from their evil ways, so God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. Again, we see God's mercy. Neither Jonah nor the people of Nineveh could outrun God's mercy. You and I cannot outrun God's mercy. That's what these two examples show us. One of Jonah, one of the city of Nineveh. That's what they show us about God. They show us that he's bigger than both of them. And whether we need some like crazy and outrageous situation to get our attention, or we just need a simp- just one simple sentence. He's bigger. He uses both of those scenarios to show us his mercy forever everlasting, continual, perpetual mercy. So in this story, we see, the, we see the prophet Jonah, a man of God, a prophet of God, turn away from God, literally trying to flee his presence. God uses a storm, a bunch of idolatrous sailors and a giant fish to show him mercy so that he could come to him a second time. And the other, a city, of God, a city against God, enemies of God. And again, one sentence changes everything. Remember, I shared how I found myself 
once in a situation where I had taken just small steps, choice after choice, right? Little choices. I didn't necessarily like book it in the other direction, 2,500 miles. But regardless, I got to a point where God literally had to take what I call the two by four to the face, and I've had many of them. The two by four to the face to get my attention. That was my big fish. That was my big fish. And I get to this point, and I feel so far away from God's mercy. And I look back, and I'm like, did I really take those? Did I really do? Yeah, every single one of them. I remember sharing this with a mentor of mine. Like, I don't know how I, it's funny how I just don't know how I got here, but I took every step to get here. Sometimes we just take small steps one at a time. Start asking questions like, how did I end up with this depleted bank account? Why do I keep clicking on these same websites? How did I end up at this job? How did I end up in this relationship? How did I end up with this addiction? So I'm talking to this mentor of mine, and I'm explaining this situation, and he said something that I'll never forget. And he said, yeah, but Chris, the beauty of God's mercy is that no matter how many steps you took away, he's always one step behind you because we can't outrun it. We can't outrun it. His love and his compassion is always there. And in those moments, we, we can ask God, like, what are you doing? Sometimes we're taking those steps, we're being led astray. Other times we're taking those steps and we're just avoiding who, what, or where God is calling us to be. And we ask the question, like, how do, God, how do you make sense of this? Why, where were you? Like, how come you let me take these steps? Or, or we ask questions like, you want my heart to feel what towards this person? Compassion? You want me to forgive who? But I've found in my own life, and especially in that situation, that when God doesn't make sense, it's because I'm thinking too much about myself and too little of God and his mercy. And that's where I need to be reminded of the story of Jonah. That the lengths that God would go to show, just to show mercy. And God doesn't make sense is because I'm thinking too much of myself and too little of God and his mercy. So I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of the crazy and outrageous story of how far God went to show that he loves me. I was always just one step away how he wants me to experience hope and joy and life and life and into eternity. I need to be reminded of that one simple sentence, right, as we get ready to, and we look towards Easter. I need to be reminded of that one simple sentence. It is finished. Where Jesus said, no longer identify with your broken, sinful identity. 
But find your identity in me. And here's my spirit who will live in you, guide you, comfort you, empower you. When we stop and think about all that doesn't make sense in the story of Jonah, we see that it speaks much about who God is and the insane amount of mercy and grace and compassion that he shows us. And as we're relating to people, and maybe as we think of those people who are the Nineveh in our lives, the Nineveh where we're asking, where we're running away from that because we're, we're saying to God, it doesn't make sense that you want me to be loving and compassion. It doesn't even make sense that you would be loving and compassion towards these people. But when I pause and I think about how much love and compassion and mercy has been given to me, puts everything into perspective. And no, I, I get it. Like that's not, That doesn't make it any easier. But I think what the story of Jonah is showing us is that that, that mercy is there. And that mercy is who God is calling us to be. So here's the question that I want to leave with you this morning is are you Jonah or are you Nineveh? Are you like Jonah? Is your heart hardened to who God is calling you to be or who God is calling you to move towards, show compassion and forgiveness towards? Do you know what God is asking you to do? You might already know what you should do. Or are you like Jonah? Are you stubborn, disobedient? Is there a Nineveh in your life, someone you've had a hard time forgiving or show compassion towards? You need, you need to be reminded of the words of Jesus when he says in Luke, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Or are you like Nineveh? Have you turned away from God? Are you hearing the message of the gospel and the message of mercy and compassion for the first time? Is God inviting you to respond to that? Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians. That God is rich in mercy, and it's because of his great love that he had for us that he makes us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You are saved by grace. We are saved by this mercy. So whether you're Jonah or whether you're Nineveh or maybe you can identify a Nineveh in your life, what I'd like to do as the, the worship team comes back on stage is before we take communion, to have them sing this song over us. No need to stand. Just take this as a moment of reflection and consider these two questions. Who in this story do I identify with? Who in this story is like me? Let the worship team sing these lyrics over you and maybe take this time to pray. Maybe pray for forgiveness. Pray for God's spirit to empower. Pray for life change. 
Or maybe even just pray for a new commitment. Maybe this is the moment where you pray and you commit yourself to the Lord. And you consider the mercy that has been shown to you. Then what we're going to do is once the worship team is done singing, I will come back up and we will then take communion together.